0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt from California. I'm John Manuel from World Headquarters here in Durham, North Carolina. Thanks for downloading us, whether it's on iTunes or at BaseballAmerica.com. Aaron, let's just dive right in. Third week of the college baseball season, the Division One season. First loss of the season for our number one preseason team, Florida, but the Gators remain number one, sweeping the U. Correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, this is the first time they've ever swept the U at home.
1: Correct, and, and just the second time they've ever spent Miami at all. They, they had done it once before in Coral Gables, uh, I believe in 2006.
0: And, uh, and obviously they, they lost a midweek to Florida State, so a big rivalry week for the Gators. Um, and Florida State beat Florida last year in Omaha, eliminated them uh, from the Cowboys Series, if I remember correctly. Um, they lost, to, I guess, the first game to UCLA. But despite the fact that Florida State has had the upper hand head-to-head, Let's talk a little bit about how Florida, which has historically been well behind Miami and Florida State in terms of uh, national championships. Obviously, Miami has Florida. Other schools do not have any. Um, and then college series trips. But it sounds, from my our vantage point, it seems like Florida is just, if you had to pick a program in that state right now, it's Florida, is it not? I mean, not just this team, but a program.
1: Yeah, I think it's the healthiest program. I mean, you know, and, and Florida State's very healthy and Miami's doing fine, but um I I mean, Florida's just a well-oiled machine right now. You know, they're really, you know, they're catching uh they're catching breaks with recruiting guys. They're doing a great job recruiting and but they're getting all their high-profile targets, which is key. I mean, you know, Carson Winston, let's face it. That's that's a break to get that guy, you know. They, no that's not a guy that you you bank on getting. Um so they've gotten a little bit lucky but uh, you know but they've just done a great job and and I'll tell you when, when when Pat McMahon was sent packing over there several years back I thought it was it was a shame I thought it was unfair for a guy who had been uh, in the uh, you know in, in the national title series just a year or two earlier um, but uh, Kevin O'Sullivan and his staff I mean what can you say they've got that thing really humming along.
0: Yeah, you really you can't take anything away from that program because, uh, like you said, I mean it's a little bit of a lucky break to get Carson Whitson. but the year before it was just top 200 guy for top 200 guy, and you know Mike Zanino and Brian Johnson and those guys were well regarded, but they weren't even the top guys. I mean like Austin Maddox and what Michael Heller were the top rated guys, and they're yeah. 2000, uh, they're class, the guys who were freshmen last year, sophomores this year. It's really been you know the good college players like a Nolan Fontana. And not a guy that anybody was going to try to draft and sign out of high school uh, that makes that program go. And it's it's just impressive to see uh, that team bolt from the gates. And it's you know surprising to see the U. Uh, obviously, we had a preseason top 25 team. Obviously, health issues with Coach Morris. So we wish uh, Jim Morris a speedy recovery. What was it gallbladder surgery?
1: Yeah, that's right. And then I guess there was an infection after that. So it took him, I think he ended up missing six games. But he'll be back uh, back on the field today.
0: And, uh, you know, none too soon, because the U is five and six, and it's, it's not, this is not the 2008, uh, Hurricanes. It's a good Hurricanes team, but not, not a loaded ball club. I'll tell you, the club that is loaded right now, Aaron, um, obviously Florida and Vanderbilt one and two, but Oklahoma moving up to third in our third week rankings. And obviously the Sooners were expected to be good. What were they? Fifth in our preseason rankings?
1: I believe, uh, fifth or sixth. I think fifth, yeah.
0: And the Sooners were in Omaha last year. I think, you know, all the props in the world for them going on the road, winning a Super Regional, had a very talented and experienced uh, UVA team that had been to Omaha the year before Oklahoma went on the road and just flat-out beat that team on the field. So nothing fluky about the Sooners going to Omaha last year. They return a lot of the same guys this year, Aaron. And, and while that team is not loaded with pro prospects, that team is about as complete as any college team in the country, and right now, This past weekend, like it was really a uh, big—I don't want to say statement—but it was the best competition they faced all year, and they brushed it aside.
1: Yeah, they did great. And you know, we always talk about how difficult it is for teams to travel all—you know—halfway across the country or make those long road trips to the West Coast. Um, That's a challenge. You know, you have to get used to the different style of play, and the—you know—the travel—you know—takes its toll. But uh, they handled it very well. They beat a very good Cal team um you know they they beat good pitching from USD i mean they saw Dylan Covey he's got a great arm uh and they beat him Michael Rocha i believe was one who beat him and, and Michael Rocha um was a key guy for Oklahoma their their senior right-hander um the guy that they kind of thought would be their Blake Cooper this year and uh he's been outstanding you know, i think he's got a sub 1 era right now um you know it's 88 to 90 with all kinds of sync i talked to to coach Galloway yesterday and, and he was singing singing Rocha's praises um Bobby Shore i mean it's you know other than Birch Smith, they don't have a, a big, you know, flamethrower kind of arm in, in the rotation. But they've got a bunch of guys who compete and win, um, and we know their offense is outstanding. I think they're hitting 381 as a team right now, um, firing on all cylinders. It's certainly built around Garrett Bouchelle, but they've got a deep core of, of veterans there and uh, and guys who uh, who just believe in what they can do and, and haven't let the new bats slow them down at all.
0: Yeah, bats, what new bats? They have 17 home runs. Their opponents have three. They're slugging 592. I mean, it's uh, it's been a show. And, again, uh, William & Mary is a good program. Not a great program, but a good program. Yes, there's some Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and some Oakland in there. But uh, UT Arlington, San Diego State, San Diego, and Cal over the weekend. Uh, you know, San Diego State's off to a tough start. But they pitch, and yeah, they usually pitch. They're usually pretty good on the mound, and uh, whether they have Strasburg or not. And this is just uh, – just amazing how uh, Oklahoma, to me, it was very impressive how they went down there and just dominated. Um, You know, speaking of that Big 12, Aaron, one thing we didn't talk about that we might talk about on the show, but when we did our Preseason All-America team and our video that Connor Glassy put together, we were all a little bit like, wow, you know, Taylor Youngman does not look as smooth as these other pitchers, but is there a, a pitcher who's pitched better this year than Taylor Youngman, and what was your impression of seeing the Longhorns Uh, on Sunday as you got a chance to see part of that uh, Texas-Stanford series.
1: I think you could throw Danny Holson's name into the mix with his uh, 34-to-1 strikeout walk ratio or whatever it is he's got. Uh, But, uh, you know, Holson and Youngman, I think those have been the best two guys out there in the country this year. And there's been a lot of good pitchers, but those two guys are right at the top for me. Um, you know, young man is, it's interesting. I, I was talking with him, talking about him with some scouts this weekend. and Everyone seems to like his mechanics just fine. Nobody's really got any concerns there. Um, he seems like a pretty safe bet to a lot of these, these scouts to be a, a big league starter, you know, a mid-rotation guy, at least, and, and maybe a, a, number two type guy in the big leagues. I mean, he's just a really good competitor. Um, and, and he's been outstanding. He, he beat Mark Capel and Stanford on Friday. To three and zero, I think that Texas team. You know, I think they're I think they're going to be pretty good. I mean, I think that they're going to prevent a lot of runs like they always do. Uh, I saw I saw them on Sa- Sunday, excuse me, against Stanford and Sam Stafford pitched very well for Texas. Corey Knable has emerged in the bullpen, a freshman right hander, kind of out of nowhere, a guy whose name wasn't really out there that much, but uh, throws hard. You know, he was up to ninety three or so on Sunday. Supposedly, he was up to ninety six on in Hawaii, according to Agui Garrido, um, and he's fearless. He's just another, another Texas arm. They've got tons of arms. Um, they, they need to, they need to play more consistent defense because they really haven't actually defended at a great level. They made five errors on, on Saturday in that 92 loss. But, uh, you know, Texas usually starts a little bit slower and then finds its groove and by conference play they're humming along. And, uh, you know, the last year, of course, they were just a machine by the time conference play rolled around. But, I think it'll be the same thing this year. You know, I mean, it, it takes a little while for for the, the hitters to all settle in and get comfortable with the system, and um, I think by the end of the year, you know, they're not going to be a, a powerhouse offensive team by any means, but they're going to do enough offensively, and I, and I think they have a pretty good chance to get back to Omaha.
0: I think it's funny. Every time I think of Texas' season last year, I think of probably the only two series they lost, the New Mexico series and the TCU series, and, you know, New Mexico obviously was a regional team for the first time in forever, and TCU... Was ridiculously good and went to Omaha and had to go through Texas to do it and, and did it. But in between, like you said, Texas was a machine. And I, I think I uh, undervalue what they did last year in my own head because those, the, the disappointing series are the ones that stick out to me. But, uh, is there anybody there at all concerned about the, the cold start that Cole Green has gotten off to? Uh, he's taken, uh, both their losses, it looks like. Well, two yes. of their four losses.
1: Yeah, you know, Augie said that was really a really a mental thing and he's out of rhythm a little bit, out of sync. Uh he's trying to do too much and it's uh and it's affecting his timing and uh and therefore his command and so I think they're just distru- they're trying to go back to square one with them and um you know, favorite Augie Garrido catchphrase, control the controllables. They need to get him to 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 understand and uh, you know he's a veteran guy, he's a senior. I mean his arm's fine. Um, he's just gotten off to a rough start, and, and uh, I'm, I'm confident Skip Johnson will get that guy going again um, because you know he's he's a winner, and, and I don't you know I think this is just a bump a speed bump for him.
0: I think I need to give you an automatic plus two for control the controllables reference. I think <laughs> that is like the all-time Augie Garita reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's the one to use. He, he uh, was
1: in rare form on Sunday, John. He was he cracking jokes and waxing philosophical and just uh, holding court there. He was he was in his element.
0: All that was missing was the cocktail, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. He's of age. Uh it's the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and uh our expert, Aaron Fitt, who was all- around Texas this weekend. Aaron, you've already seen a lot of teams that have come to the West Coast. Now you got a chance to get into Middle America and the flyover country and uh see some guys out in Texas. Uh of course you still uh chase down Stanford. And like you like you wrote on the uh you wrote on the college blog in Three Strikes that this wasn't the greatest look in the world at Stanford and, and Texas because um, they didn't play well necessarily on Sunday. I don't know. Do those, do those feel like uh, Omaha teams? Does Stanford feel like an Omaha team? Or is maybe next year the more reasonable uh, expectation for the Cardinal?
1: I do think next year is a more reasonable expectation, but certainly that doesn't mean it can't happen this year. Um, you know, we, we've seen teams. A lot recently, um, get there seemingly a year ahead of schedule. You know, Virginia two years ago comes to mind. Uh, but, uh, you know, this team is young and, and, you know, they're going to have their ups and downs, I think. And, uh, um, you know, they're relying on, on some younger players. And, um, you know, I think, I think Jake Stewart at the top of the lineup has made some progress, but he struck out four t- Times on on Sunday, and uh, th- at least three of them were on breaking balls, and it looks like that you know he, he's still pretty susceptible there. Um, you know Austin Wilson strikes out a lot. He had two before he got yanked for a pinch hitter this weekend. Uh, um, you know Brian Rigiera did look good. He was the guy that, that impressed me a little bit with his approach, using all fields. Um, but uh, you know when you're relying on a bunch of young hitters, um, you know you're gonna have your little slumps. I think and more than more than a team that has a bunch of veterans. Um, and, and on the mound. You know i mean i I think they're going to be fine they've got lots of good arms uh, um, seems like their roles are kind of are kind of materializing but uh you know I, I think it's I think it's a very exciting team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got hot and made a deep run, but um, i don't think it's uh, a lock by any means
0: and their schedule gets a little easier obviously they have a twelve day break here after their week three straight weekend series on the road. But after they're home to Michigan and Long Beach State the next couple weekends, and they're still their starting Pac-10 uh, on the road, Aaron, at Washington State, at USC, for their first two series in league play. And that league is uh, lethal, as we know, which uh, is the transition I wanted to make next. You know, last week uh, our, our hot team uh, on the podcast we talked a little bit about was Cal, which came to Myrtle Beach and annihilated three regional caliber teams. This weekend the Bears lose three straight games. But I guess UCLA is really kind of the big news in the Pac-10 with the Bruins uh, losing back-to-back series. Despite Trevor Bauer striking out 17 in 10 innings, despite Garrett Cole carrying a no-hitter for, what, six innings, seven innings against Nebraska, uh,
1: yeah.
0: the, the Bruins still go to Nebraska. And despite their vaunted pitching del- delivering, they lose the series. Uh, when do we start getting concerned about the Bruins' offense, or are you already at that point?
1: No, I'm not concerned. And I don't think I will be. You know, I, I, I think, I I trust in Rick Vanderhoek, as I said in the chat yesterday. I just think that guy, uh, he can really run an offense. And I think this personnel is well suited for his system. Um, they're not going to sit back and hit three run home runs. I mean, they're, they're they're not going to hit very many home runs this year, period. Um, but, uh, Given a little bit more time, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be grinding out at bats and using the gaps and hitting line drives and, you know, executing the small game that Vanderhoek loves. Uh they, They're not going to score a ton of runs, but I really – you know, like Texas, they're certainly going to score enough with that pitching. So, no, I'm, I'm not at all worried. Um I, I do think it was a tough weekend for hitting up there. It was 33 degrees or something on Saturday. Um, that's a factor, too. I mean, that's not – you know, I'm not making excuses for them. They haven't really hit much at all this year, but – uh but no, I'm not concerned. I mean, that team hit enough last year. Um, most of the key guys are back. You know, I, I just think it. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to, to get into a groove, and and uh, and Vanderhoek will get them there.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not going to need that much offense. <laughs> you know, it really yeah. seems like it's more. It's more going to be the timing of those right. runs as opposed to the volume of those runs. Uh, have you talked to anybody who had and, a chance to go? Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say we also have a podcast question about this series from uh, an MD Schmidt on Twitter, who says that uh, is this more a case of UCLA's poor offense or the Huskers being better than expected? And you know we talked about UCLA's offense, but I think uh, I think Nebraska is about as good as expected. I mean we had them pegged as a regional team, number five in the in the Big 12 conference. Um, you know they're, they're going to pitch pretty well. I mean that's that's the strength of this team and. Uh, you know and like like UCLA i mean they're going to have to grind out offense a little bit but they did enough this weekend so i, I think nebraska is a, is a, is a solid club and, and this is a good year for them to make a run
0: yeah i mean uh the, 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 that's a good i think it's an important point on nebraska it's not like they went on the road and beat a bad team uh nebraska hasn't been that great the last couple of years, but they're a better version of nebraska this year how much do you think uh you know UCLA misses a guy like a gallego who you know was their leading base dealer a year ago Or, or Blair Dunlap. Are those guys that difficult to replace? I mean, Justin Uribe, I guess, is the other regular they lost from last year's team. Uh, or do you feel like maybe they're even more talented? It seems like on paper they're almost more talented offensively than they were last year, potentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think you're right. I mean, those were, those were nice college players. Gallego in particular, he was a spark plug for them. But, uh, I think having a full healthy season of Cody Kiefer and Jeff Jelilich, uh, you know, I think there's more upside, honestly, with this group. Um, it's, you know, they need Pat Valera to get going for one thing. You know, shortstop. He was a guy that uh, they knew he was going to be more of a, a steady defender type shortstop, get occasional hits, but he hit some in the fall. You know, I mean, he sprayed sprayed the ball around some. And he's hitting below 200 right now. He's kind of a key guy. Trevor Brown is another one, that guy that they really thought could hit. They expected him to have kind of a, a breakout season. He's hitting 133. Um, so, you know, they've, they've just got some guys who haven't stepped forward. Cody Regis had a big year last year. He's not hitting at all. Um, so, you know, it's it's just give him some time. That's all I'm going to say for now. I I don't think it's time to push the panic button with UCLA. Yeah, I
0: don't think uh, – when you have Cole and Bauer, you're, I think, very, very close to being on a hot streak. Um, you know, sticking with the Pac-10 here, and we talked a little bit about Cal. Um, I just – you know, Arizona is another team that, you know, when we did the preseason rankings – I don't think I had them as high necessarily as you did, and then we were talking about it, and you kind of talked me into ranking the Wildcats fairly high. They've done nothing negative, it doesn't appear, this year. That, that's, that's a team that's kind of under the radar a little bit, just as under the radar as you can be in the Pac-10, but it seems like Arizona's uh, this is a team that went to Omaha as, as recently as, what, I guess, 04, 05, sometime in the, in the Andy Lopez era, had a very good team in 2008 that lost in a Super Regional at Miami, I guess a loaded Miami team, Uh what's your take on the Wildcats? Are they, uh, you know, are they, uh, I don't know, I guess at number 14, they really can't be said to be coming under the radar at all.
1: Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it does feel like people aren't talking about that team as much. Um, I like that team. I think it's very athletic. Um, they've got a lot of good line drive hitters. They can run um, on the mound. You've got a really good one-two punch with Kurt Heyer and, and, and Kyle Simon, who's kind of emerged as a, uh, and, and, you know, a little bit of a workhorse on Saturday. He's a sinker ball guy, um, with some power to that sinker. Um, and then, you know, to me, the question was who would, who would emerge on the pitching staff after that? And, and Tyler Hale has done that on Sunday. He's been pretty darn good for him. Um, they've got a, a, fireballer in the bullpen with, uh, Bryce Bandia. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting team. You know, there's, there's not a lot of holes there. Uh, I saw him play one time so far this year. I saw him at Long Beach State, and uh, was pretty impressed with their their athleticism on the field, their defensive ability. Uh, Alex Mejia, their shortstop, that guy can be a very <laughs> a very exciting, spectacular player at times. He really, you know, it seems like he's been a little bit more consistent this year too, which was key for him. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a dangerous club.
0: And they're even doing this again. I, I didn't even remember when I asked the question, but Steve Selsky, who was their leading kind yeah. of run producer the last two years, um uh, is injured. What a broken hand, I guess it is. That's
1: right. A little, he had a broken bone in his hand. I think he's, he should be back for the Wichita State Series coming up here in a little bit, uh, was, was, you know, the last word that I heard. But, uh, they've, they've, they've got enough depth on this team that they've been okay without him. Um, you know, Johnny Field, the freshman that they really like, has played, uh, has played fairly well, I think. And, uh, you know, he's a talented player. But, but Salski's their best, you know, he's really their best guy in the middle of the lineup. I think getting him back will be a, a big boost.
0: Yeah, a good nine and two without your top bat uh, is impressive to me. It's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, if you have questions for us any week, you can email those into us at podcast@baseballamerica.com, at post them on our Twitter feed at Baseball America or obviously at Aaron Fitt or at John Manuel BA. Um, Aaron, a couple other things: uh, the biggest riser in this week's rankings was North Carolina. We did not have the Tar Heels ranked in the preseason. Uh, you got a chance to see them the first weekend of the year, which is really their big. Kind of was their statement weekend when they came out there, won four games, including beating Cal State Fullerton This weekend, uh, well, they had a five and oh, week. They're 11 and one overall. They beat Nick Tropiano, who was the Cape Cod league, uh, you know, hero last uh, summer for Katuit. So a, a good college pitcher that they beat on Friday. Um, what made us, re- I think everyone acknowledges the Tar Heels are good and they're, they're having a good year. You wrote about in some depth on the college blog that first weekend about the depth in their bullpen, which is unusual for them. Uh, but what made us jump them, you know, eight spots like we did this week?
1: Well, part of it was the teams in front of them didn't didn't really have great weekends. Uh, even LSU, which we moved up a few spots, you know, they lost the game on Sunday to a Princeton team that hadn't played outside yet. Uh, or, you know, this was their first live action of the year, their first series. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean that's why we jumped them up. I mean UNC took care of business against the Stony Brook team that had uh, gone down to Florida Atlantic last week and won a series. And and I think it's fairly a fairly decent Stony Brook team. Not a you know it's not a great team, but it's it's a good team for a Northeast mid major. And UNC just obliterated them. Uh, I've been impressed with uh, the way the freshman bats have have. have hit, and you know, and that's, that's really the key for UNC this year is how guys like Holburton and Thomas Zengel and Colin Moran, you know, those guys really needed to, needed to have good seasons for them because, uh, um, you know, they lost some key parts last year. They lost, we talked a lot about Brian Goodwin being gone. Um, you know, they lost Dylan Hazlett and, you know, some of these other guys that were key guys for them are gone. They needed these freshmen to step forward and boy, they really hit it well this weekend.
0: Yeah, Colin Moran, uh, the freshman out of Long Beach, uh, not Long Beach, out of Long Island. Uh, he's the guy who really, I was, I mean, I knew about him. Uh, I did not anticipate that he would be hitting four hole for North Carolina against, uh, and a, a fairly accomplished Friday starter in Tropiano. And then he had quality of bat after quality of bat. That's, he probably knew some of those players on the Stony Brook team. Um, seeing as how, you know, they're located on Long Island and that's actually they recruit a lot of their players. Uh, but, you know, he's if, his, if the name is familiar, he's, uh, what is he, the younger brother, I guess, of Brian Moran?
1: I think he is the younger brother, yeah.
0: yeah but, so he's a, he's another nephew of B.J. Serhoff's. Uh, that's been a very good family at the University of North Carolina because B.J. Surhoff was uh, one of their best players. Uh, Brian Moran was a money reliever for them for several years, and Serhoff helped raise a lot of the money for Boshimer Stadium. And now Colin Moran's there. And I'm telling you, Colin Moran's good. He is uh, – I don't know how North Carolina's lineup is. You know, we'll see how it goes up to the grind of a of a full season when you're relying that much on so many young players. I still think they're going to miss Brian Goodwin before it's all said and done. But it was an impressive showing by North Carolina against Tropiano. They they worked some counts, and they adjusted. He's a fastball changeup guy, and they got to him, and and he had good stuff. So And then, uh, you know, even though Tropiano handled Levi Michael on Friday, Michael had a big uh, doubleheader on Saturday, so. Uh, an impressive start of the year by North Carolina team, but I think – I know I doubted with the uh, loss of Goodwin uh at the start of the year. Aaron, uh, last but not least on the podcast, you know, we talked and you had it in the chat last week about uh, UConn and people questioning us leaving the Huskies in the top 25. Uh, maybe the Huskies were listening uh to the doubters because a very impressive trip to the West Coast by UConn. And you're going to see them, I guess, later on this week, Correct.
1: I'm actually gonna see him this afternoon as well over at UC Irvine and then probably this weekend down in San Diego.
0: I mean here's a team that doesn't play a home game till March twenty second, you know, when they'll take on uh, you know, Sports Guy U, Holy Cross. I'm sure Bill Simmons <laughs> will be there. But uh I mean they didn't just go out there and beat teams this weekend, they just annihilated teams. Got another great start from Matt Beetlebarns uh with a uh beating U uh Cal. Uh I don't know if it's a little early to feel vindicated, Aaron, but uh you got to feel a little bit better about UConn after this weekend where they finally kind of put the pieces together.
1: Yeah, you know, I think they're putting it together. And, and yesterday they just destroyed USD. And, and it was Chris Jensen who started for USD who uh, began the year as their Friday starter and has, has a power arm. And he's, you know, 92 93 with a a good breaking ball. And uh, they, they knocked him around. George Springer had four hits and four RBIs. You know, obviously it's key for, for UConn to get George Springer going. And, uh, um, you know, I think this team's going to be really dangerous, as, as I've said before. Um, I'm looking forward to getting a look at them against a pretty good Irvine team today, too. This could be an offensive game. These teams can both swing the bat, um, and I'm not sure how much pitching either has left necessarily. Um, so uh, we'll see. I mean, it's not an offensive park, but I wouldn't be surprised to see some runs this afternoon.
0: Yeah, and then you're going to have another weekend series with, with USD for the, for the Huskies. So, I mean, a pretty competitive weekend they've got going on. Um let's look ahead a little bit to the weekend uh since we're recording this podcast a day late Aaron. Gonna be a, an interesting test it seems like this weekend Cal State Bakersfield uh you know one of the teams that is out there that has made some noise this year they they've won some games against ranked teams. They're going on the road to defending national champion South Carolina. Now for those who don't know Bakersfield is coached by Bill Kernan. Whose resume is as long as anybody's in college baseballs, and then a little longer, considering that he was a playwright on Broadway in New York for a couple of years, where he took a sabbatical from coaching. But he was a assistant coach under Augie Garrido at Cal State Fullerton, head coach at Cal State Northridge when that program was worth something. Uh, you know, helped build the program up to uh, uh, when Mike Batesel took him to back-to-back regionals in the mid-to-late 90s. Um, then uh, Bill Kernett was the pitching coach over here at NC State. Uh, when they had Vern Steri and, uh, Mike Rogers and they, you know, had a great year, I think in 2003, lost on a super regional at Miami. So his, his resume is very, very long and distinguished. And now I'm doing the job at Cal State Bakersfield. Are they for real, you think, Fitzy? Is this a, is this a division one independent that at 11 and two, they got a shot with some of these early season wins like Arizona State and, uh, UW and, and Washington State. They got a shot at an at-large bid.
1: Let me tell you something John. I, I was looking back today at my my notes from a, from a conversation I had with Bill Kernan um, a couple of years ago you know before Cal State Bakersfield had actually taken taken the field for the first time uh, and and he kind of said his his target date was twenty eleven and this was the year he was recruiting a young team he wasn't going to take the junior college route uh, and, and a bunch of guys to be gone after a year or two. He he had a very heavy, uh, heavily freshman class that first season. He knew they were going to take their lumps a little bit, but he really liked this class. He had some talented players, and now you're starting to see those guys mature. You know, guys like Jeremy Rodriguez and and Ryan McIntyre, who are the top two hitters in that lineup. Um, you know, Brandon Van Dam, who was recruited as a two-way guy, but has really found his niche in the rotation. He's three and oh, uh, great numbers across the board. I mean, this team is, is, I think they're very interesting. And, you know, they've, they've beaten some, uh, some pretty good teams. I mean, obviously Arizona State, that's a huge win for them, but then they came out this weekend and, and really obliterated everybody else that they played, uh, which is more than you can say for, for Arizona State, which, you know, had to scratch out of three one-run wins after that. So, um, it, this team is, is very interesting, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully talk to Coach Kernan this week and have more, uh, more on these guys in weekend preview.
0: Well, I mean, I know that Brandon Van Dam was a guy that our Dave Perkin doesn't work for us anymore, but, uh, Dave was a really big Brandon Van Dam fan, uh, fan. I know Tommy Honshell, who beat Arizona State in that game. I may be pronouncing his name incorrectly, but the, the reports that we have on him are very positive. So it seems like this is a legit club. Uh, it doesn't seem like a, like a flash in the pan. I mean, obviously you can't expect them to, to go and, uh, you know, they're not going to be ranked teams every day because they are Cal State Bakersfield. It is fairly new program. They have good talent. Uh, but if they go to South Carolina and even just win a game, uh, I would imagine that's going to give them a pretty big RPI boost. And a lot of their series looking forward, Aaron, look winnable. Ohio State, Santa Clara, Northridge, uh, all the UC schools, Davis, Riverside, Irvine. Uh, they don't have to win those whole series, but if they win a game in there, Kansas State they play four times, Marymount's gonna be tough, UCLA Fresno, they have a schedule, Aaron, that on paper looks like the kind of schedule where this strong start they're off to already having some quality wins, they seem like they are uh it's possible for them to be an at large team.
1: That's a great point, you know, and, and it's 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 funny, you know, again looking back at my notes from a couple of years ago. and said, "Uh, "This is a a job that's really exciting, and I think in in three or four or five years, people are going to be thinking about this as a a, a missed opportunity that they didn't take this job because you know I think you can win here." And and, uh, yeah, I thought it was a a good story. I was talking to him, and I said I liked his confidence, I liked his his swagger. Uh, I don't think I really bought in. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. He's off to a great start here this year.
0: I think he was right, but he didn't realize seven billion dollar shortfall in the budget in the state of California and that everybody's going to be laid off soon. So yeah. Bill, Bill Carnes going to be working for IOU soon. So I'm making light of a terrible situation, but, uh, obviously I jest and I wish no, nothing, nothing ill about, uh, the people of California. I'm just really sad about it. Aaron, uh, what's the marquee matchup of the weekend? It's got to be Cal State, Florida, UCLA, I mean, at, not UCLA, at LSU. Or uh, would you stay in the uh, start of ACC country where Virginia and Clemson are going to match up?
1: Yeah, those are the two on, on the calendar that stick out, certainly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very eager to see how LSU handles this first challenge of the year, really, because they have played a very soft schedule so far, and Fullerton has not. You know, Fullerton's already won a series at TCU. Um, you know, I, I think I think I think Fullerton is a road favorite in this series because they've got a lot better pitching, and I think their hitting is, is good enough to to hit LSU's pitching.
0: I got to tell um, you, Aaron, the the day that college baseball arrives is the way the day that Vegas has college baseball series lines. <laughs> I'm taking Fullerton as a road as a road dog at LSU. Oh, I can't believe they're a road dog. You know, I mean, that yeah. would just uh, the day that Bill Simmons starts podcasting about it because he could gamble on it. That's when that's when college baseball has arrived. That'll that be you, the day. That that's exactly right. That'll be the day. Now, are you going to take? Uh, are you going to have a chance to go see Arkansas this weekend? That's a team that's not in our top yeah. five rankings. Talk about a soft schedule. They've gone the LSU route with Utah being their best uh, opponent thus far. Uh, but Ryan Stanek and company coming down to uh, San Diego State to go see Aaron fit personal cheese ball, James Can. You're going to get a chance to see him this weekend, aren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. They'll be down there for four, four games, I believe, at San Diego State. So hoping to get a look at Ryan Stanick. I'm not sure exactly what their pitching uh, rotation is going to be yet. I have to figure that out. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see Arkansas. You know, I do think it's an exciting young team, very talented. I mean, we haven't ranked them yet, partly because other teams have done more. I mean, Tulane, I think, showed more by winning a road series at Ole Miss. Uh, and that, and that Tulane th- thing is interesting. I, I chatted with Rick Jones a little bit yesterday. Um, and, you know, he knows that they're, they're a pitching and defense kind of team and, and they can do it very well. But, uh, a little bit worried right now about some injuries. It sounds like it's probably bad news for Randy Le- LeBlanc, who's got the best arm on the staff. And, Uh-oh. you know, he, uh, he left the game on, uh, um, this weekend with the, with some some pain in his elbow and and Rick Jones said he's not optimistic he's having an mri, MRI on wednesday um sounds like very bad news for for the, the green wave and and Robbie Broach didn't pitch this weekend he's he's got some chronic forearm uh strain or something like that um he's going to have he had an injection i think yesterday and they hope to have him back by next week but they at least need Broach to be back um you know if they if they have to do without without uh um, LeBlanc, so be it. But fortunately, you know Kyle McKenzie is, has kind of turned it around and returned to what he was when they signed him out of Massachusetts. So maybe he steps forward as the new power arm for them.
0: Oh, that's uh, that's that's a bad report. That's some bad. That's that, that is the opposite of primo scoop. That's terrible <laughs> scoop. I hate yeah. to hear that news for the uh, because you know the the, the Green Wave. I, I think we knew they were not going to annihilate people, but we thought they were a team that was well suited pitching, defense, uh, freshmen becoming sophomores. Uh, you know, five guys, six guys who started at times last year. Uh, we thought that was a team that was going to take a big leap forward this year. And we knew they were going to play tight games. I don't think we knew they were going to play so many one-run games. Uh, but an impressive weekend series to go and win that series at all miss. And that would be terrible news if their health, uh, you know, takes a step backwards like that. Uh, where else are you going to be uh, around this weekend, Aaron? I don't, I don't know if you're going to get a chance to go see a lot of East Coast teams traveling to the West yeah. Coast. You got Louisville at Pepperdine this weekend. Uh, yes. So you'll be over there as well.
1: I'm going to try to uh you know we've also got Georgia is going to be here uh for the Dodger Town classic um you know I think Sunday's games are Dodger Stadium so I, I tentatively got that on my calendar for Sunday um you know it's it's going to be tough to juggle all this stuff this weekend but uh, it's it's a big weekend out here
0: Yeah I mean Georgia's al- Georgia's already 3 and 8 they got Mercer this week uh, today which is uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday which is a outstanding mid-major club they're playing a non-conference game against Alabama. I'm not sure what that's about. I need to find out. And then they have the Dodger Town Classic, and then they start the season in SEC play at South Carolina and then against LSU. I mean, can Dave Perno pull the uh, Bulldogs out of this? And, I mean, what are the odds of Georgia just this double-barreled tragedy off the field of Chance VZ last year and now JT, Jonathan Taylor, uh, with an injury uh, this year It looks like a serious injury uh, a neck injury with him. I mean, uh, could anything else go wrong for Georgia? They just, they seem like they have not caught one piece of good fortune in two years.
1: Yeah, yeah it's been, it's been a really tough stretch, you know, and boy, this Taylor thing, uh, it, it it's sobering, you know, especially after, two weeks after the Corey Hahn thing. Both these, these cases are just really, uh, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough for everyone to deal with. And, and, uh, I, I have to imagine it's got to be a distraction for the players. How could it not be, you know? I mean, um, we'll, we'll see how they respond to it. It's, it's, uh, on the field. I mean, there's, <laughs> it does, like, like we've talked about, it doesn't get any easier for those guys with the schedule they've got. And, and now they've got some real heavy baggage to deal with out, off the field, too. So, uh, good luck to those guys. I feel, feel for them.
0: Last but not least, Darren, we got a couple of podcast, uh, podcast questions to get to Japers, uh, obviously a friend of BA, uh, constant chat representative. If the draft were held tomorrow. What would be your, what would your top 10 look like? Aaron, the main reason I asked that question—we're not going to necessarily go through our entire top ten—but you had a chance to see Anthony Rendon this weekend in Houston. What was your uh, take on uh, Mr. Rendon uh, at, the, at the top of our draft board?
1: Yeah, I mean he's he's the best player in the country. You know, it's uh, it's amazing how good of a hitter he is, how much bat speed he has. It just really stands out. Um, even with two strikes, he just whips that thing through. And even, you know, he changes his approach a little bit with two strikes, but, uh, cause he'll take a really big hack early in the count. You know, he wants to hit the ball hard. He even said, early in the count, I'm trying to hit the ball as hard as I can. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and he's pretty good at it, but, uh, yeah. But, you know, the guy can really hit, and he didn't get to play third base at all this weekend, unfortunately. Um, but it doesn't tell him there's any long term concerns about his health. Um, he he's just a really good baseball player. He's got a great presence. He's very charismatic. Uh, um, and and, the scouts I, I spoke with, I mean, everyone still loves the guy. Everyone's still very high on him. I think he's still probably at the top of the board right there with you know those other pitchers, Garrett Cole and Matt Perk. Um, those seem to be the top three in some order. That seems to still be the consensus.
0: Well, other top prospects that you got a chance to see uh, include CJ Crone for Utah, and then John Stilson, kind of again a kind of a personal cheeseball of yours, a guy that you a guy that you've really uh, been high on. What was your impression of seeing those guys in person? Uh, start with Stilson.
1: Well, Stilson, you know, he pitched very well. He he didn't think so because he's just such a fierce competitor. Uh, one run over that. six innings wasn't good enough for him. The team lost, but uh, he pitched well.
0: Yeah, I love you know, this. his, his I fastball
1: love those 90, yeah his his fastball with ninety two to ninety four um and you know' his, he's got a he's got a good changeup. uh he also throw showed a good breaking ball this weekend i mean he's uh, i think i think he's the whole package i think he could start but uh you know i think there's a, a sense out there from scouts that you stick him in the bullpen he could move really fast because uh he he's he's just so well suited for that that mentality that 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 bullpen mentality he came out there and attack for a couple of innings his stuff would probably even play up further. Uh, like it has in the past, more 94, 98 in, in, short, in short relief. So, um, you know, he's the guy that I continue to think could jump up into the top 10 as, as kind of a Casey Weathers-type draft, you know, or, a, um, you know, one of those guys. We, we've seen some college relievers get drafted in the top 10 picks because they think they can move quickly and be an impact guy. Um, uh, to me, that's Stilson.
0: I, I I love the Casey Weathers comp. That's a really good comp. Um, and then you also, uh, just Krohn a little bit, uh, you you wrote up uh, Alex Meyer on the draft blog, so I don't want to have you expound too much on him, but uh, you know, C.J. Krohn, it seems like he mashed the ball all over the place. We're going to have uh, our intern, Teddy Cahill, doing a feature on the Crone family because his younger brother is, a I believe, an Arizona State signee who's a big uh, high school senior this year, a good
1: member of our TCU top signee, actually. T-
0: thank you. TCU signee, you're right. Uh But what's your take on, what's your take on, uh, on CJ Crone? We didn't get a chance to see him last summer with the USA team because he had a little banged up knee. Uh, How do you look offensively and what do you you think he's got a chance to catch?
1: He's a really good offensive player. You know, the guy's got huge power. He's got a very patient approach. He's just a tough, tough out. He doesn't strike out very often. Um, it struck me when Todd Whitting said he was the best college hitter he's ever seen. And I said, better than Rendon? And he said, better than Rendon, better than Kevin Euclidus, better than James Jury's. And he, you know, reeled off these guys. I mean, it's, it, that's, that's, high price. Um, he's, he's pretty special. Now, his health is an issue. He's, he's got this uh, labrum issue that he's dealing with in his shoulder. That's why he's not catching. I don't get the sense he's going to catch at all this year. You know, he's playing first base. Um, yeah, no, I who knows. I mean, who knows the deal with that? Utah's been a little bit hush hush about that, but uh we'll see. I mean, I, I think regardless, his bat is good enough that somebody's gonna take him pretty pretty good in the draft.
0: Well the one thing is that usually is a kiss of death, but I'm just looking on our rankings. The only first baseman we have ahead of him, Aaron, would be Ricky Orapeza. Uh
1: yeah.
0: you know, there are some good college first basemen in the draft this year, like a Preston Tucker or Aaron Westlake. You know, a surprise they all in the SEC East. Um, but uh, this is not one of those years like two thousand eight, where the draft's loaded with big bats at first base. That would seem yeah. like it would hurt, it would hurt him maybe a little bit less uh, than other guys if you show you can really hit, and when you have big league bloodlines like he has, uh that doesn 't hurt. I mean Chris crone has been a longtime minor league manager, had a cup of coffee in the big leagues uh, with the angels. um i don 't think that kills his draft stock.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I'm not sure that people really believed he was a catcher anyway. I think, uh, you know, you talk to Bill Kinnerberg, he'll tell you that he was, he was coming along really good behind the plate and that he did have a chance to be a catcher. But, uh, I think that, I think the jury was still out on that. So, um, he, he's a bat. That's what he is. That's his calling card.
0: Nothing wrong with that. And the last uh, question will wrap up the podcast with this. Mojo Dev1 asks, does Florida State have the pitching to support its bats? Off to a decent start, but they have Georgia Tech, Clemson, UVA with their arms in ACC play. And, Aaron, I guess the most encouraging thing, well, first, I think we always think Florida State hits when they're at home. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's just the track record. But second of all, a uh, pretty great start for Sean Gilmartin, a guy who finished so poorly last year. Uh, but also off to a great start, a career-high strikeouts the other day for him with 11 in a game. Uh, that was his big issue last year was finding a pitch to finish guys off. You got some, some, some depth in their bullpen. Uh, you know, Brian Bush is pitching well for them so far. What, what's your take on the Seminoles? Do they, uh, they seem like they're a little bit better maybe, off to a better start than maybe we thought they'd be?
1: No, I think they're off to the about. At the start, I thought they'd get off to. You, honestly, I mean, you know I was pretty high on this team coming into the year, okay. um, because it's 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 a classic Florida State team. You know, it's it's a, an offensive team that's going to draw a ton of walks. Um, you know, they're going to bang the ball, you know, over the fence to right field a little bit, and um, you know, they've got some pop. Um, they're a very experienced team. You know, I love the guys like James Ramsey and Sherman Johnson in the lineup. You know, those college, um, really good college players that, uh, uh, that always seem to come up with big hits for those guys. Uh, and on the mound, I mean, it's veterans, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's Sean Gilmartin and Brian Bush and Mike McGee and, you know, guys who've been around, um, it's it's i it, you know we've talked before it's not it's not florida's pitching staff it's not an elite pitching staff um but it's 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 decent college guys and i think it's good enough with their um with their their offense and and uh, and their coaching staff certainly uh it's guys who compete and and it does look like uh like Gil Martin has taken that step forward this year. Um, you know, Gary Marions is the guy, I think I'm saying that name right, um, who's who's pitched kinda out of, kinda come out of nowhere for me and uh pitched very well. He hasn't given up an earned run yet in ten innings. Um so you know, I, I think I think there's some depth in the bullpen, not depth of, of powerful, you know, flamethrower guys, but uh pretty good depth of, of uh of guys who attack the strike zone and uh you know have some movement and uh, and can get outs.
0: Yeah, the amazing thing when you every year when you look at their numbers you see something like this and early in the season, they've already walked more than they struck out offensively. You know, they've got seventy-five walks, seventy one strikeouts, and on the mound, they don't walk people. It's a very simple formula. It sounds like it would be easy, but they are just so consistent as a program. You know, Dad Gummet, it just makes you love uh eleven. Uh that they're so consistent and uh Mike Martin is so much fun to talk to. Uh and I
1: let me think. and let me Yeah, you're right. And and let me throw this out there too. This might be the program we talk so much about, you know, the UCLA's and the Texas's and those those teams that are built around elite pitching and defense, as being teams that benefit with with the bat change. But this might be a program that benefits more than anybody because they can hit. First of all, um, you know, they're not a team that I think is going to go into the tank offensively with the new bats. And they've got guys who throw strikes, you know, and, and again, I don't think you have to ha- throw 98 miles an hour if you can throw strikes and, and let the defense work behind you. And um, I think Florida State's defense is better than it has been in, in some, you know, in some sometimes in recent years. Um, I think this team, I think it's a winning formula.
0: Club And uh, off to a very good start. Not a, sur- a start that surprised Aaron Fit. Maybe one that surprised me a little bit, but uh, that's why Aaron's the expert. I'm just the host of the Baseball America podcast, uh, the college style podcast. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, look forward to this weekend. You got a lot, a smorg- too many games, too many good games to go see, and not enough time.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's going to be hard to cram it all in, but uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, we'll see some ACC action around here. We'll report back on Monday. We're going to do everything we can to get this done on Monday next week. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week. Until then, so long, everybody.
1: After the end of a good fight.